0: This is Faith Talk 1500 WLQV Detroit, a service of Salem Media Group. Faith Talk 1500 WLQV Detroit held its 10th annual Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon Thursday, April 21st, 2016, at the beautiful Detroit Yacht Club on Belle Isle. With many thanks to our senior event sponsor, Moody Theological Seminary, Michigan. Over 300 pastors from Metro Detroit registered to attend our event with our guest speaker, Senior Pastor Doug Schmidt from Woodside Bible Church of Troy. In just a moment, we'll hear Pastor Doug Schmidt's message on courage. But first, we'll take a moment now to learn more about Moody Theological Seminary, Michigan. Hi, this is Chris Brooks, campus dean of Moody Theological Seminary, Michigan campus. And I want you to take a moment to meet some of the world-class professors that make Moody, Michigan a special place to learn and grow.
1: I'm Raju Kunyamin I am associate professor of biblical languages and Old Testament. My major interest and in contribution to student learning is really understanding the Bible, uh, understanding the English Bible, understanding the New Testament from Greek, understanding from the Old Testament from the Hebrew. So when they are done with my classes, I want it to be a transformative experience where they become practitioners of biblical interpretation. That is, they know how to understand what the biblical message is and are then able to communicate it to others. What excites me most about teaching is really my classroom interaction. We'd
0: love to have you be a part of the Moody, Michigan family. Why don't you contact us by visiting moody.edu. That's moody.edu or call us at 734-207-9581. Here's Chris McCourtney, Regional Vice President and the General Manager of Faith Talk 1500, to introduce Pastor Schmidt.
2: And then there's Doug Schmidt, who is the Senior Pastor at Woodside Bible Church. And Doug, so you're not crowded out, I've been praying for you for the last seven days as well. Many of you may know who Pastor Doug is, I'm sure you do, but... For those of you who do not, let me just give you a little sense of of Doug's life and Doug's uh, blessing to the world. He's been happily married to Carolyn since 1974, and together they have three grown kids and six grandchildren. Is that still accurate, Doug? I'm just confirming Okay. After graduating from Maranatha Baptist University, Doug received both a master's in religious education and his doctorate in education from Temple Baptist Theological Seminary. After serving seven years as dean of students and a faculty member at Heritage College in Ontario, he pastored Ross Bible Church right up the river here in uh, Port Huron. Doug and Carolyn have been serving Woodside Bible Church with an average attendance of 9,000 since 1991. Isn't that an amazing blessing? That is absolutely incredible. And additionally, he serves on many numerous mission and education boards and all sorts of other voluntary boards. Doug is passionate, as you might guess, about teaching the Bible and helping people to understand God's Word. He's also passionate about coming alongside pastors, supporting them and mentoring them, which is why we thought he'd be a great choice as our keynoter for our 10th anniversary Pastor Appreciation Luncheon. Would you please give a big warm welcome to Doug Schmidt?
3: It's a delight to be with you. Uh, I think for many of you who don't know me, um, I'm surprised you came, but I'm even more surprised by the ones who do know me. So thanks for being here. I want to share with you that we have a, a, a deep love for pastors. I love churches, but I love pastors more and uh, we've always wanted to come alongside and resource pastors in any way we could. I think the futility rate among pastors is high. Uh, the frustration is high. Uh, it's a tough job. Uh, and we're not complaining about it. it just, but it, the, the fallout rate among pastors is just so, so startling. The numbers range, in the studies I've read, anywhere from 1,000 to 1,700 uh, pastors leave ministry every month. Uh, There's a new study coming out this year that will give a more accurate figure, I'm told, with regards to that. But we want to see every pastor who has the calling of God to stay in ministry until that calling is realized. And uh, at Woodside, we want to help resource that. Uh, Just uh, about two weeks ago, we were able to buy a retreat center uh, just about two hours from the Detroit area. And the retreat center has three purposes. One of them is uh, marriage retreats. The second one is for leadership development, some of our internal stuff. And the third one is for pastors' enrichment. That uh, 20 to 24 weeks a year, we want to take 10 pastors and their spouses uh, away and, and, and facilitated by uh, men and women from this region to help strengthen uh, the relationships. And, and develop, uh, develop, you know, we've all been to the conferences, haven't we? And I don't know about you, but the conferences I go to last uh, maybe a day or two in terms of the impact. Uh, but uh, I think the key to pastoral effectiveness and pastoral longevity is developing relationships like this among our peers, outside of our present ministry, where we grow together and we love each other and we tear down our silos in order to do something great for God in this region. So that's our burden. We also have quarterly leadership gatherings. And we just instituted, this is our second one, and it's coming up May 16th. We're bringing in John Dickerson. May 16th is a Monday. Um, it's, it's $10 for, for the cost, but it involves lunch. And also John's uh, best-selling book, The Coming Evangelical Disa- or Recession. And so uh, that book is outstanding. Uh, and it's uh, uh, the first half of it will uh, um, frustrate and, and uh, depressing. The second half there are words of hope and direction for the church of today. So that's uh, May 16th, and you can go on our website uh, woodsidebible.org/gathering and register for that. I encourage you to do it soon. And in fact, we've got an app for that. <laughs> Well, everything was going well on the ship. Uh, Everyone was gathered for dinner that night on their week-long cruise, And while they're gathered for dinner, the captain and his crew were giving speeches. Uh, Everybody was dressed up. And sitting at the captain's table was a 70-year-old man who looked like he didn't belong. And so they were all waiting for this event, and he would be the most unlikely hero that you would expect. And finally, you see what happened earlier that day, earlier that morning. Uh, A young lady uh, accidentally fell off the boat into the cold, dark waters. And within seconds, the 70-year-old man was right next to her and saved her life. And so now this was the time in this evening celebration to recognize this hero. Everybody on the ship was happy for, for him and for especially this young lady whose life was saved. And he gave up to give his probably the most unlikely hero speech that you could ever imagine. And with stirring words, he got up and said, "As you ask the question, I just have one question for you: Who pushed me? Who pushed me? When when I was asked to do this, it was quite an honor." Because normally for these events, it's the Salem National Speakers and, uh, and I'm just one of you. We're all in this together. And I thought, what in the world can I share uh, with these people, colleagues who uh, were shoulder to shoulder together? And I asked God that question multiple times because I was asked to do this many, many months ago. And it wasn't probably until two months ago, maybe six weeks ago, that God gave me the direction. And that's the word courage, that we need to be men and women of courage, uh, courage to stand and uh, courage to fight, courage to not give in. And I wanted to draw your attention to an Old Testament example of um, a man in ministry. Uh, he was, uh, his, his, uh, his flock was the southern kingdom of Israel. And he served for 40 year, over 40 years, five different kings. He started shortly after Josiah became king. And he preached the message, the message God had given him. and He was faithful to that. But as he preached the message of repentance, repent. Unless we repent, God's going to bring judgment upon us. And the people didn't repent. Not only did they not repent, they called him names. They mocked him. He was scorned. By the priest's pasture, he was uh, beaten up and placed in stockade. He was put in prison. He was put in the guardhouse. At one time, near the end of, this, of his ministry, uh, and near the close to the fall of Jerusalem, he was lowered into a, a, a cistern where he sunk into the mud. You know his name as Jeremiah, Jeremiah often called the weeping prophet. I, I think I can go out on a limb and say, in his over 40 years of ministry, he was never invited to a pastor's appreciation luncheon. <laughs> his, his work was hard, wasn't it? Very, very hard. And yet, he had come to the end of it. You ever been like that? Say every Monday. Um, where you just said, I don't know how much longer I can do this. The weight is heavy. Uh, it's just too hard on me, or maybe you come to the place where you say, this is just too hard on my family, and wondering if it's time to pull the plug. Not angry, although at times the anger is there, and maybe at times the anger's even there towards God. And Jeremiah, I think, was at that place where he had to just have this conversation with God. And I want to read the first few verses of the 12th chapter of Jeremiah probably familiar to many of you, where Jeremiah, first of all, has this uh, complaint against God, but the complaint isn't the complaint that you find in the book of Micah, which is more formal, where Micah is really challenging uh, the justice of God and the righteousness of God. Jeremiah acknowledges that God is righteous, but he just has some issues that he's got to work out with the Almighty. He says, "'Righteous are you, O Lord,' When I complain to you, yet I would plead my case before you. What does the way of the wicked, why does the way of the wicked prosper? That question's been asked a few times, hasn't it? Why do all, the, all who are treacherous thrive? You plant them and they take root. They grow and produce fruit. You are near in their mouth far from their heart. But you, O oh Lord, know me. You see me and you test my heart towards you. And then he says, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. Now, Jeremiah, acknowledging the righteousness of God, and yet he has some issues. And those issues are put in, the, in question format. And he says, okay, why do the righteous, or why do the wicked prosper? And why do these people who call you by name their heart is so far from you. And so they're, they're shallow and they're superficial in their, in their, their commitment and their, their devotion to you. And I don't get it. They seem to be prospering. And Lord, you know me. You know I've been doing this for decades. And I'm struggling. And I'm struggling. Does God hear that? Yeah, he does. And so he, he pours out his heart towards God. And he, he says, look at me. Look at me. I've been faithful. And then he's got a solution for God to handle these critics. He says, get them. Uh, just get them. He says to him, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter. And this was a a moment when his pastoral heart was uh, taking a break. Uh, Ron, he was blinking here at this moment, I think. He said, pull them out like sheep for the slaughter and set them apart for the day of slaughter. And he goes on to say, how long will the land mourn and the grass of every field wither? For the evil of those who dwell in it and the beasts and the birds are swept away because they said... We will not see our latter end. These people who call you by name are against your cause and they're against your messenger. And they've caused devastation on this entire land. Get them. Now, after he pours his heart out towards God, you can almost imagine the comforting words of God to him. Let me share those. You may be surprised. The Lord answers, Jeremiah, if you have raced with men on foot and they've wearied you, how will you keep up with the horses? If in a safe land you are so trusting, what will you do in the thicket of the Jordan? For even your brothers in the house of your father, even they have dealt treacherously with you. They are in full cry after you, but he says, do not believe them, though they speak friendly words to you. If I can summarize those two verses, God is saying to Jeremiah, after Jeremiah pours his heart out to God, God is saying, Jeremiah, cheer up, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. And he illustrates this in two ways. He said, first of all, you're trying to keep up with the footmen and you're, you're weary, you've got to go beyond that because you've got to run with the horses. If you can't keep up with the footmen, you'll never run with the horses. You think it's hard now? You just wait. And he, do, he draws this comparison or contrast. He says, you're from the town of Anathoth, uh, just uh, two or three miles northeast of Jerusalem. And your brothers and the people of that town can't stand you or your message but they're your brothers and if you can't handle them how are you going to handle the Jordan River in the the, the heavily vegetated area of the overflow of the Jordan where the Asiatic uh, Asiatic lions dwell If you can't deal with your brothers in Anathoth you can't deal with lions in other words he, he's saying suck it up it's going to get worse it's going to get worse. When you read that, I think of um, I think of us. Um, Dr. Wilson mentioned earlier on the video, uh, or maybe you mentioned it live here, uh, Paul, where you said, "In leadership, we need three things." We've talked about this for years, haven't we? You need character, and that character is outlined for us in. Uh, Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3. These are non-negotiables. We're only as good as the character that we've developed and the reputation over time that God has helped to bring about through our faithful living. When that is gone, our ministry is gone. And that can be gone through a couple of bad or even one bad mistake. And so we need to guard our character so that character is key. And of all those characteristics, 17, 18, 19 of them, All of them are character qualities except one, and that's the ability to teach. And you can argue about the husband of one wife, depending on how you view that. But the rest are all character qualities. Character is so important. The second is competency. We have to have competence. Competencies are giftedness. Competency is our education, it's the degrees behind our name, it's the experience that God has given us along the way so that we've grown and developed and matured and now we have this competency. And some of the things, if you've been in ministry for a while, you say, I know how to do this because you've done it before a few times. That's competency. And then a third one is chemistry. And chemistry is really important because you can have character and you can have competency, but if you can't get along with people which are kind of a part of ministry, um, we're not going to make it. All the character and all the competency is is shelved because we're too damaging in our relationships. We've seen it happen on the mission field uh, where chemistry perhaps is the the area that is most difficult in people working together in a, in a new environment. Those three are really, really important. Uh, but our friend... Um, Nick Boring has reminded me recently that those, while those three important, they need the bookends. The bookends are calling and courage. Calling and courage. By calling, what I'm referencing is uh, none of us went to a high school counselor and took an aptitude test, and they said, "You know, you'd really be a good pastor." That didn't happen. Or it didn't happen when our mother said to us, nobody can preach like you can. And so we set on our life to be pastors and preachers. That wasn't it. Calling transcends all of that. Where the, the spirit of God over time and using people and using his word in a still small voice to our heart says, I want you to serve me in pastoral ministry. And we have that time. And how, why is that important? And why is it even more important than these other three? Because there are days in ministry, Jeremiah days, when our competency is not going to keep us going. Our character is not going to keep us going. The chemistry is not going to matter because we've had it. Recently I had a conversation with a friend of mine who was uh, just transitioning out of uh, the church he started 38 years ago it's extremely painful for him and it's not been an easy ride and I, his name is Doug and I said to Doug uh, all through these years have you ever come close to quitting have you ever wanted to quit he says oh yeah many times I said why didn't you he says I never thought I had a choice he had a calling. God had called him. And so the difficult days of ministry, we have to have that true sense of calling. When when going gets tough in ministry, calling is often forgotten and courage is often missing. And that's the second piece of it, courage. When I look at what we're dealing with here in in, in our area, in the United States, and in the Detroit area. I think it would be so easy for us folks to say, I wish the good old days of ministry were back. The days when uh, um, when pastors were highly um, revered, honored. I wish the days were back when nothing could of, of major impact could be done in the city of Detroit without first consulting the pastors. My understanding that day is gone. I wish the days were back when all you'd have to do is open up your Bible and say, Thus saith the Lord. And people would say, Okay, those are my marching orders. We live in a different day, and a day that's going to demand more courage than ever before. And so I want to try to answer a couple of questions before we're done. What is courage? The Hebrew word is used 41 times in the New Old Testament, and it means to be strong, alert, bold. The courage is most needed when ministry is difficult. Let me just share, where do we find courage in the Bible and where do we not find it? I think it's true for, probably for many of us at times of weakness in our ministry, difficult days, where well, we, in our prayers, we're asking God to change the ministry to make it easier rather than change us to adjust to the circumstances. Where he's trying to challenge us to make us better and trying to challenge us to be men and women of courage. And so, where do you find it? I find it in Moses. In fact, you find it in the life of Moses. Uh, you read Exodus chapter 32, 33. Uh, when the people had so sinned against God. You remember uh, when, when Moses and Joshua are coming down from the mountain, there's the party and God brings judgment. And Moses had the courage to plead with God for the people. And then it's, it's the end of Moses' life and he's ready to pass off the scene. And listen to the words he shares with his understudy, Joshua. He says, be strong. And courageous. Those words are very, very close in meaning and oftentimes found together. Be strong and courageous, for you shall go with this people into the land the Lord has sworn to your fathers to give them, and you shall put them in possession of it. And the Lord commanded Joshua the son of Nun and said, Now God repeats, Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the people of Israel into the land I swore to give them, and I will be with you. He goes on in Joshua chapter 1, Moses has died. I've always loved the eulogy that God gives Moses. Remember reading it? Where God says, Moses, my servant is dead. Isn't that enough? For God to say, Moses, my servant is dead. I would like nothing more to have on my gravestone, tombstone. Doug Schmidt, a servant of God. Now, I can say that, and my my children can say it, and I can pay to have it done. But to have God say it, that's huge. Moses, my servant, is dead. And that reminds me of what I've read so much recently that every pastor is an interim pastor, that there will be a time that we'll also be dead. And the work of God goes on. And we had this assignment from God for a period of time where we must be faithful to it. But there'll be a time where God will say, he's dead, she's dead. And the work goes on and we need to train people for the work that must go on. And so God says to Joshua, he says, be competent, have character. No, I think those were assumed. He said, be courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he gives them those two commands, but adds a third. He says, study the Bible. I love the words there where it says, and, and study and meditate on the Bible. And when he, when he says, when you do that, let me give you a promise. You will have success. When I read that, I think, folks, we cannot do ministry today without the Bible. And whether we read it from an iPad uh, or from a phone or whether we have a copy that we, we preach from, we, ha- we cannot do ministry without the book. The Bible is so important if we want success. And we, it means we, do, we need to have a steady diet of it ourselves before we cook up the meals for other people. But then he says, be strong and courageous. And he gives them a promise that helps them with that. I will be with you. Aren't you glad it's not reversed? Where God says, you be strong and courageous, and I'll be with you. His presence is not a result. It's a prerequisite. If we want to be strong and courageous in a changing world, we have to recognize the presence of God, and we'll never be alone. I wanted to share just a story of Saul. Saul. You remember the, when Saul had, they had the private coronation uh, when uh, Samuel had uh, selected him, God had selected him to be the first king of Israel, head and shoulders above all others. But it's interesting when it comes to the public coronation. As all the people are gathered, where is Saul? They can't find the dude. He, in the scripture, the, I love the King James that says he's hiding in the victuals. I don't know what that means, but um, it's the luggage. He was hiding in the luggage. And on the surface, you look at that and you say, that's humility. No. It's never humility when we shrink from doing what God's called us to do. That's false humility, it's fear, and it's the lack of courage. I wanted to share with you about David. You remember the day that David showed up at the battlefield in the Valley of Elah? Philistines lined up on one side and the, the Israelites lined up on the other and there's another uh, uh, king, King Saul at that time who was, uh, you know, you, often you read the stories and why isn't he doing it? But David shows up and let me read the text. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Don't be men of fear. Don't be women of fear. He's saying, Have courage against a giant. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. What did David have? He had the presence of the Lord, and therefore he could have courage. Let me share with you regarding Caleb. You know the story of Caleb... Joshua and Caleb, I mean, they had the courage to go against the majority report. And they said, sure, there are are giants in the land. We get it. But our God's bigger than that. And our God's with us. And they entered in the land. But then fast forward 45 years. Caleb, now 85 years of age. The Bible says he's strong in strength and spirit. And he says, I want that mountain. That's courage. You look at, uh, there's a little verse in Psalm 78 that's always kind of uh, intrigued me. In the 78th Psalm, it says, the men of Ephraim with bow in hand, um, the the exact wording is they turn back in the day of battle. And I'd love to know more of the story. The next few verses give insight to that. But fearful, lack of courage, to, have, to be prepared for the day of battle with all of our competencies, with all of our character, with all of our chemistry, and with our calling. Uh, but there's something missing, and it's the courage. May none of us ever turn back from the day of battle. And I think of Gideon. Remember he was fighting against the Midianites? Remember how Gideon was called? The sense of humor God had? Where he says, oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Uh, but God made him a mighty man of valor because of the presence of the Lord. And it's, it's a wonderful story. An army of 32,000 fighting against the Midianites. Um, and God said, no, your army is too big. You know, what? Yeah, your army's too big. Because I don't want you to say that we did it. And so therefore, just find out who's fearful and let him go home. 22,000 went home. If I'm Gideon, I'm trying to talk him out of it. You can do this. Come on, you can. So he's down to 10,000. And remember God said, still too big. Still too big with 300 men. They went forward. I think of, I think of David, or Daniel. Was Daniel ever a man of courage? To say no, I can't eat this food. To say no, uh, I am going to pray, and I'm going to pray with the windows open. A man of courage, a man of courage to speak up to a king in his sin. Daniel was a man of courage. You think of the, the Hebrew children, uh, the three, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, courage. We could die, but the Lord's with us, and he was, and they were courageous. I think of many occasions in the early church where the, uh, the people were persecuted, and they asked and prayed for boldness when they were imprisoned if they had been praying like jeremiah they would say lord get me out of here change the circumstances bring back the good old days but instead they prayed for boldness to preach the gospel that got them in prison men of courage women of courage the list goes on i think of a guy named bonhoeffer who stood up to so many pastors who had acquiesced and paid the price? A man of courage. And we could go on and on and on. Character, competency, chemistry important? They're tools for the trade. Yeah. We cannot do it without calling because it's in our calling that we'll keep going during the most difficult times. And it's in our courage. I had lunch with a pastor uh, yesterday. And we were talking about the changing times in which we live. And how we need courage more than ever before. And he mentioned, he says, I I think the day is coming. And we talked about how our culture is shifting. There's been a lot written about it recently. How we've gone from a guilt culture to a shame culture. Where there used to be a sense of sin... And when you, you committed sins and trespasses against God, there was a sense of guilt. You're, there was a guilt because of our sin. And, and people dealt with it, and God used that guilt to be, bring many to Christ. And it was uh, working through the conscience. But now the code for conscience has changed, and there is no concept of sin. Almost anything goes today. And I think with recent developments, it's only to open the door for more. And yet God has called us to be men and women of courage during this time. And this pastor friend of mine said to me, uh, let me finish the thought on shame. Well, the guilt is gone. The shame has come. And so through social media, and we're seeing this now in North Carolina and Mississippi, uh, where people take a stand for the things they think are right. Uh, through rock bands, we'll will say we're not going there um, to b- try to bring economic pressure to the state. This friend of mine said, he says I think the time will come where a middle manager for uh, one of the automakers who attends your church or mine and that our church will be shamed because of the stand we take on the word of God and that middle manager may find himself in the place where he either can't advance without quitting his church or he may lose his job because he's a part of that church. And I, I think if we think that that day may not come, uh, we're really naive we're really naive so what's it going to be folks we can wish for the good old days but i think the good old days of ministry are right now are, and this is our time this is what god has called us to be but more than anything we need the courage for the for the new challenges of ministry during this time Roosevelt once wrote, he said, Courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the judgment that there are some things more important than fear. He went on to say, The brave may not live forever, but the cautious may not live at all. Thomas Paine, on uh, one of those December nights, I think it's 1775, before one of the great battles of the Revolutionary War, wrote these words that are familiar to all of you. These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in, his, will in this time shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny like hell is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. And I love what Alexander Solonitsyn said at a Harvard commencement in 1978. Must one point out from ancient times that a decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end. Uh, Sobering words. Um, And yet, the cause that God has called us to is greater than the American Revolution. It's about a kingdom. It's about a kingdom that will last in a city whose builder and maker is God. And in his providence, he has given us gifts, but he's called us. And the bookends will only be what's going to help us to make an impact for the kingdom for eternity. Our calling and our courage. And folks, we have the opportunity to do it together. I would love for every one of us in this room to come to the place where we say, this is where we're at. We're not going to look back in nostalgia. We're going to look forward in courage. And for many of us who've had a hard time keeping up with the footmen, we ask for the grace of God and the knowledge of his presence to give us the courage to run with the horses. Are you with me? Yeah. I've asked our, our friend Lorenzo here to lead us in prayer. And Lorenzo is going to pray for all of us that God would give us the courage, not individually, but together, for his cause in Detroit. Yeah. Thank you. Father,
1: we love you. Thank you that your spirit is here, that your word has gone forth, Father, in the name of Jesus. Would you remind us, God, of the calling that you have called us to? Will you remind us of that Gideon moment in our life, Lord, that Jeremiah moment in our life, that Damascus Road experience that you've given many of us? Would you remind us of our callings in this room? Father, we are asking by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would give us the courage to be able to stand and having done all to stand, that we would stand with the full armor of God. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would give us a helmet of salvation, Lord. We pray that you would put upon our chest a breastplate of righteousness. We ask that around our waist we would have a belt of truth. Father, we're asking in the name of Jesus that that you would bless us, that our feet would be covered with the gospel of peace. Lord, we cry out to you and we ask for the courage to be able to wage an effective spiritual warfare. Thank you for the shield of faith. And thank you, Lord, that you've given us a sword. So, God, help us say it is written that you are Lord over all. It is written that your name is above every name. It is written that you are the beginning and the end. You are the first and the last. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And we worship worship you, Jesus, knowing that you are the one that called us in Metro Detroit and you have equipped us and we believe you in this moment in this hour that you would fan the flame, that you would speak courage to our hearts, to our minds to our cities, to our congregations that you would get all of the glory and all of the honor because to you be all the dominion and the power and now and forever so we worship you, King of Kings we bless you, Lord of Lords and we know that you are faithful We know that you are true, that you are the one that will do it, because all your promises are amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together.
3: Amen.
0: Amen. That was Pastor Doug Schmidt, the senior pastor at Woodside Bible Church in Troy, as he provided the keynote at this year's 10th Annual Pastor's Appreciation Luncheon from Faith Talk 1500. In addition to Moody Theological Seminary, Michigan, we'd like to thank our sponsors Israel Ministry of Tourism, Rochester College, Education Planning Resources, Ashland Theological Seminary, Safe Families for Children, Bethany Christian Services, Rick Goslin of Guide One Insurance, Presbyterian Villages of Michigan, Attorney Robert Fortunati, Image Clear Ultrasound Detroit, Waters Edge Insurance, J Builders, Bloomfield Christian School, and AmeriHealth Care. Without our sponsors, each year's Pastors Appreciation Luncheon would not be possible. We thank them very much. To learn more about Faith Talk 1500, just visit our website, which is faithtalk1500.com. And we invite you to listen, whether mobile, on our app, online, at our website, or of course, on the air at AM 1500. For more information about advertising and programming opportunities at Faith Talk 1500, please call us at area code 248 581-1234. That's 248-581-1234.